Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonables Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. For a third week in a row, I am somehow still sick. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's wrong with me. I have an idea of some of the things that are wrong with me. Uh, in terms of my voice being bad for a third straight week, I have less of an idea. The sound quality, I can at least blame on the Air Canada Center Court being taken down to my left, uh, to Eric's right. Joining me, as always, Eric Green. How are you, man? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. That Coors Light you're drinking looks mighty delicious. I would never record a podcast while drinking a beer. Stop stop polluting the listener's mind. I, uh, I opted against it, thinking, hey, maybe drinking while sick is why I haven't gotten better. No, that's not it. No, I don't think so. I don't think eating full Domino's pizzas by myself is it either. I don't, mm. I, I don't think there's anything I could blame on myself for this. No, no, it's completely out of your control. Fundamental I mean, attribution error. I'm about to go on uh, three plane rides, so I'm sure I'll, the next time we do this podcast, there's like a 50-50 chance I'll be sick too. Yeah, or just like terribly depressed. No, oh, I mean, there's a 90-10 chance that yeah. I'll be that, but that's the same for any week. Um, not depressing. Not what we're going to talk about, but man... You want to talk about a lot of joy packed into one moment. The Vlad Guerrero Jr. walk-off. Yes. Have you seen it yet? Uh, I've only seen... I haven't seen the, tra- the the trajectory of the ball. Okay. I've only seen his swing and the camera following him. I lost my focus on the Raptors game for a minute or so. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. All, all of a sudden, my timeline was filled with it. Uh, and... It's awesome. Like, that's, yeah. uh, you know, sports. They're sometimes worth devoting too much of our lives to. Yeah. For moments like that. El Hio de Guerrero, getting it done. Yeah. Uh, done. That's, uh, that's him when he debuts in a mask so that his service time doesn't begin accruing. Uh, he's not actually <laughs> Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He's, he's got okay. a, a fake name. I think the, like, the worst thing for the Jays, so the thing that will happen is they'll be like vaguely in it, but not really come the trade deadline and they'll be like, you know four teams out of the wild card, but only three games back and they won't know what to do with sorry about this sound quality sorry guys, Uh, they won't know what to do with Josh Donaldson and they won't know whether it's worth bringing, you know Vlad Guerrero, who's hitting 380 uh, in 15 games in Buffalo, uh, and they'll just have, you know, it will be all half measures. Well, I'll tell you this. As a team that's built where the floor is the roof, uh, they are all floor, no ceiling, uh, they will almost definitely be in the exact position you just described, Yeah. where they are, you know, in it, but not super in it, and it probably makes sense to deal Donaldson, but they don't want to deal with the fallout of dealing Donaldson. It's good to and do then, things for perception. That's yeah. always a good reason to do things. And then if you went the opposite way with Donaldson, you know, you could make up some of that goodwill by calling out Vlad Guerrero, but then you burn up his service time. Yeah. It's tricky. Yeah. It's it tricky, tricky running a professional sports team that owes something to its fan base, but can't be beholden to them when making decisions. Yeah. Uh, anyway. life. Uh, the Toronto Raptors there are worse face. Th- there are worse things. Yeah, the Toronto Raptors faced a similar decision this week. Obviously, this is all any Raptors fans want to talk about. Uh, Nigel Hayes's two ten-day contracts. Yeah, uh, we're up. They are not signing him for the rest of the season. At least not as of this moment. Uh, they could they technically could. sign yeah. him later. It wouldn't make a lot of sense. 
uh, they have enough breathing room with the luxury tax to not delay that. So it looks like he's done. Uh, it certainly sounds like one of the two-way guys are going to be converted. Um, Lorenzo Brown hasn't played super meaningful minutes of late, but he's been the guy getting the 13th man run instead of Malcolm Miller. Um, I'm just kidding. We're not actually going to talk about uh, this decision. Um, Lorenzo Brown was on the bench uh, Tuesday night. <laughs> by the way, uh, those sounds that you heard rumbling and rattling by, apologies for that, but there was... I've never seen this before. There was a giant spread outside of the Denver Nuggets locker room after the game. Yeah, um, it's different in each uh, in each arena where they put that. Mm-hmm. It usually does. I don't know where it is in the Raptors media room or, or Raptors media visitors room. locker room. Raptors visitors locker room usually, or I should say, the Air Canada Center visitors locker room. But in other arenas. It's it's usually actually quite prominent, I find, in the visitors' locker room. But this was the first time I saw it out in the hallway. See, uh, my assumption was that like Jamal maybe, Murray had yeah. just brought in catering from his yeah, favorite spots in Cambridge Kitchener Waterloo. Yeah. Not Toronto. Come on, yeah, he's yeah. gonna go to the KW food. You have Morty's wings. You're gonna get some good pierogies. You're gonna get donuts from the Portuguese bakery in downtown Galt. Come on, <laughs> this is the the full five one nine buffet up there. Of course. Yeah. I don't really know. I mean, twice steel pizza, I guess. <laughs> I don't think they'd bring that in. I don't know how well it would hold. Yeah, I, can't, uh, I can't hold my own in this conversation. Jamal Murray was at the Arcana Center on Tuesday with the Denver Nuggets. Um, he was, you know, he didn't have as big a Jamal Murray game as we've seen from him at times in the past. He was certainly uh, guilty, a guilty party in the Denver Nuggets turning in just a ridiculous shot-making performance. The Raptors came away with the win, 114-110. That 110, you know, given the defensive slippage the Raptors have had of late, I know it'll look a certain way. It's 112.1 points per 100 possessions, which is a little more than the Nuggets have averaged on the year, a little less than they've been averaging since the All-Star break, uh, and obviously a little bit more than the Raptors want to be averaging. Uh, We came in with a close eye on it because, as John Schumann of NBA.com pointed out, uh, the Raptors are came in as the second worst defense against top 10 offenses, um, even though they're a top five defense overall. Uh, I thought Tuesday was a very good night for the defense in terms of process, if not results. They contested 78 of Denver's 89 shots, which is a contest rate well above their average and above even the league leader's average. Um, Denver hit some wild shots. And there were some there were some defensive areas for improvement we can get into, but in general, did you come away feeling better about this defensive game than the OKC or the Cleveland or the, the Clippers game on Sunday that they Yeah, dropped? for sure. Particularly in that second quarter uh, when I don't remember how many points they scored, 33 or 35, the Nuggets. They scored uh, a lot. They shot a ridiculous percentage. They shot percentage. many for not that I think they shot 67% and um, they were 5 of 8 on But threes. Jokic hit some shots there, which he was just completely covered, whether it was like sort of a six-foot push shot or a 16-footer or out to the three-point line. You know, they contested those, you know, well to very well, and sometimes great players are great. Um, That's sort of how I felt about that quarter as a whole. I think they lost the plot a bit in terms of guarding three-point shooting in that quarter. Yeah, they lost Trey Lyles Um, a little bit. They lost Will Barton at one. Like, he didn't have a good game, but I remember them losing him for one three-pointer. Will Barton has such a unique place in this team since Gary Harris has been down, where, like, they have this very democratic offense where four of the five starters have a usage rate just above 20%, and Wilson Chandler comes in just below it. But because Will Barton is the fourth option... 
he is like kind of free to run. And Philly had a lot of trouble with him on Monday night as yeah. well. Um, I think he started like three of three on transition threes. It's like, well, Barton, he's very fast. He's very good at getting himself open, but you can't prioritize him when Jokic, Millsap, and yeah. Jamal Murray are on the, all on the floor. He, it's a nice it's a nice little role he's got for himself. Yeah, there. no, he's... On a terrific contract, too. Yeah, what's, what's his deal? Three years, $10 million, I think. He might mm. be a free agent this year, though. Mm. Anyway, he's a nice player. They have a nice offensive team, and without injuries, they'd be in the playoffs. But that's the way she goes. Those dastardly Raptors knocking the Nuggets. Yeah, Uh, Paul Millsap also hit, like, especially in the first quarter, hit some, like, well-covered shots. Mid-range shots with Serge Ibaka's hand right in his eyes. Yeah, uh, there was one more thing. The other thing that I should point out is, like, yeah, the the Nuggets sort of destroyed the Raptors in the pick and pop with Jokic, but that's what the Nuggets do. Yeah. Like the Nuggets are really good at that, and yeah. it did uh, get they, it, like the the one problem the Raptors continue to have is fouling too much, and that was the case again, at least for the first three quarters. Yeah, the and, first quarter um, was really bad. The, yeah. the Nuggets only ended up with fourteen free throws. Yeah, times. Um, but they were in the penalty of the first three quarters. Yeah. Um, Fourth was much improved, and that's going to be an issue. How much of an issue it is in the playoffs, we will see because we all know that the whistle can change in, in the postseason. And while I have no idea to what you're referring, yeah, to. Um, yeah. So with the with the pick and pop, so the the Raptors came out, they guarded pretty standard um, to the way that they guard. Jakob Pertl picked up four fouls in seven minutes. Uh, Dwayne Casey mentioned after the game that the centers are taking too many negative steps right now, which. You know, the Raptors pick and roll scheme is designed for the center to drop back. Um, but I think what Casey's saying is that with bigs who can shoot a little bit or hit those 9 and 10 foot floaters that you mentioned, yeah. you can't drop back quite as far. You have to be up a little bit to be able to put a body on that or get a, a better hand up. And also because the risk of a blow by is is less. Yes. You know, yes, like, yeah, like Jokic is talented and skilled, but he's probably like, there, there you're one, fine if he's on the wrong move taking a weirdly angled layup. There was one play early in the fourth where. Two Raptors like basically body checked him on the dive, and he threw. I, I couldn't see his yeah. arms, and he found Trey Lyles in the corner yeah. for an open three. He's yeah. phenomenally he's, he's talented. Very skilled. Um, anyway, so it, it was a problem in the first half. Uh, Dwayne Casey came out in the second half. They switched the matchups, which I thought was a smart move. I thought it was worth a try, given how it yeah. had gone. Jonas Valanciunas stuck on Paul Millsap. Um, the logic there, I, I'm thinking, being that. If you force Millsap to put the ball on the floor against Valanciunas, it's an easier position to help from. Millsap is a good passer, but he's not the passer Jokic is. Um, and, you know, Denver's offense, Jokic leads the team in usage rate and assist percentage. So you want, you know, given the choice, you want a Baca on the front court player who is more tantamount to their offense. Yeah. Um, so I thought that made sense. It didn't, it didn't entirely work out. Paul Millsap had 12 in the third quarter. Uh, Valanciunas yeah. didn't had a nice offensive game, but did not have his best defensive game. Uh, do you look? Is there any repeatability for you in terms of you know? It, it's not even a question, really. There are going to be teams who can do some of what the Nuggets do with with a, a mobile passing front court like that, that with with two bigs who can both shoot a little bit. Yeah, and like Millsap roasted JV at the end of that run, but JV made some decent plays early on, and it's just it's nice that they have the flexibility to try different things even if you know neither of the looks was a complete success you know at the beginning JV was able to get a block he was able to move his feet Serge was there at the rim uh, helping out as a help defender and and I think they both got a few like at least one block in that third early third quarter stretch yeah um, the Raptors by the way I think it ended up with 
six, yeah. 15 or 16 yeah, blocks? Yeah, Kyle, Kyle Lowry had four blocks. Yeah. You know, somehow I remember zero. But, yeah. uh, Ibaka sure, and Valanciunas sure with four happened. each. Bebe had three, of course, <laughs> in like seven minutes. Um, so I think there is some repeatability and, you know, the conservative nature of the scheme in general and JV's slight improvement as a lateral mover, and I emphasize slight, um, <laughs> gives them a bit more versatility. But the reality is, like, Denver, while not alone, is pretty special in how they run their offense. They're the best offense um, since the uh, Not only in their efficiency, but, like, who they run it through, yeah. um, the type of players. Uh, they're just, you yeah, know... Yeah, look, if LeBron you know, went down, Cleveland could try that with Kevin Love, but Kevin Love is not getting that many touches in yeah. the... Minnesota Kevin Love, though, running that stuff through the elbows. It'd be interesting. Yeah. Imagine if they would have traded for him in the offseason, as was rumored. Who? Denver would have traded Oh, Denver, yes. Instead of signing Paul Millsap. All the passing. Um, And Millsap's not even a bad passer. He's just, you know, I think he's still working his way back from now. He he didn't, I don't think I noticed him until like five minutes into the game. Yeah. Really. See you, Robin. Um, That's got to be Robin's first career podcast appearance. (laughs) Yeah. Shout out to <laughs> Thanks. It's not who this podcast is for, but um, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, they're. I and mean, to be clear, Valanciunas has been better than this. This wasn't his best defensive showing. He's done better in these. Yeah, matchups. I would have. I would have figured Jokic wasn't the worst matchup for him. Yeah. Um, but you know, these things happen. He's Jokic is a borderline all star and will be an all star soon. So. Some people claim he's the best center in the league. I think it's a little premature still. I, I do not claim that. Yeah. The advanced stats, folks, not that I'm not that, but, um, you know, there's some data that points to him being very, very good. He is very, very good. Yeah. I don't think he's best center in the league yet, and, but... You know, if your team yeah. is giving up 110 points per 100, uh, or whatever they're giving up, uh, since the All-Star break, and you're the starting center, um, I think some of that falls on you. Um, the switch of frontcourt matchups at the start of the second half, um, I think, you know, it's one it's one small tweak. I do think it highlighted uh, that Dwayne Casey coached a pretty good game. And normally, you know, I'm not much for evaluating a coach every single game. Like at Raptors Republic, we have the grade for the coach yeah. and the quick reaction. I hate it because so much of what a coach does is outside of one game. Where, like, do you credit 33 assists to Dwayne Casey because that's the system or do you credit only nine turnovers or whatever? And also, um, like, you have to manage minutes for yeah. 82 games, not for one game. It's yes. like Cito Gaston used to say, you lose today to win tomorrow. Um, yeah, it's, it's exactly anyway, like that. I feel like it needs to be pointed out because there have been a couple games lately where um, Casey came under some criticism that I didn't think he coached the best game in the da- – was it the Dallas game? There was one game where, you know, the, with the one with the weird quick two – and the, no, it wasn't That's the Cleveland. Death. Cleveland, yeah. So the Cleveland one, um, the Clippers game on Sunday. People I think the OKC unhappy. game. People people didn't like that he was slow to change the pick and roll scheme, um, which you know we talked or no, I talked about that on Fred Katz's podcast. That you know maybe they just wanted to stick to their scheme because they're not going to run into an OKC like team mm-hmm. um, because there are no OKC like teams outside of Oklahoma City. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I thought, so I think it's worth mentioning just because the conversation around Casey has changed a little bit the last two weeks that he coached a very good game and he, and he rode with um, the all bench in the fourth and then Lowry in the bench. And once Denver went back to their full contingent of starters, they did cut the lead from seven to four, but Lowry in the bench hung on and, and I thought it was, 
you know, until maybe the very end, I thought it was the right call to stick with them. Yeah, and I think that's like the biggest knock on Dwayne Casey as a coach is in-game adjustments, and we saw multiple of them. Yeah, they, they're not always yeah, going to yeah. work, but your like, willingness to adjust, yeah. the willingness to adjust is there. Um, he's clearly done a good job with this team. I didn't have the problem that everybody seemed to have with Fred Van Vliet on uh, Lou Williams on Sunday. Like, yeah, maybe I mean, at he, some point you try somebody else. Yeah, but DeLon like, Wright has more length to bother yeah. him. Maybe you, I mean, but you're also, how many times can you crack the glass you're on also Norm's emergency yeah, case? You're also but. trailing by 6, 8, 10 at that yeah. point, and you need shooting. And so, it's Lou Williams. Lou Williams know, is going to do that sometimes against anybody. Andre Roberson yeah. or, you know, whoever. Yeah, it's like... Sure, he was hitting the shots he takes, but the shots he takes, you sort of live with. That's like, a, like, and that, that's the other those thing. Those are is, like the shots you try to force. Yeah. Assuming you can't like Plus, cause you, Jamal you know Murray from, to take a twenty-four second yeah. shot clock violation <laughs> twice. Like yeah. plus, you know from his force. time here that Lou Williams is going to miss those once the games matter. So. Yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> hey, oh, I, lo- I love Lou. That was a great performance. It was one of the one of the yeah. most fun road player performances this year. Yeah, Lou's the best. Um, I think I think Lou Williams has maybe passed Jamal Crawford as every NBA player's favorite NBA player. <laughs> yeah. I like how players just like players who don't like they just don't fall into what you know. The game is supposed to what, be now. It's what just, people want yeah. from the game, and and you know how, exactly how yeah. the game is supposed yeah. to be. Uh, but back to Casey, yeah. he's you know I thought you put it very well on Twitter a few games ago where it's like. I'd like to talk about an in-game decision without trying to make it a referendum yeah. on the coach. Like, it's fair. It's fair. Like, yeah, not everything he does works. Like, maybe he stuck with Van Vliet one possession too long. Maybe he, you know, he has, he defers to the starters sometimes a bit too much. Or yeah. maybe he rides the bench occasionally too much. Yeah. But overall, you can't argue with what he's done and if in game one they you know are slow to adjust or they adjust too quickly and it doesn't go right like we can't say oh no this guy doesn't have a feel for his team because i think they've he's shown and they've shown that you know they know what they're doing yeah i think he should have built up a lot of benefit of the doubt at this point and you know the the other thing is this time of year too uh, especially against certain opponents like you don't know every we or we don't know everything that goes into these decisions. We yeah. don't know if you know, like the the psychological aspect of well, do we do they keep forcing Serge Ibaka minutes to try to get that confidence up? Ibaka had a terrific game, by the way, on yeah. Tuesday. Um, it's the best I've seen him look in a while, uh, especially once the three point shot actually started falling. Uh, but yeah, he blocked like five shots. He was great defensively. A um, couple of putbacks on the offensive end, which is. And also, uncommon yeah, for him. Also, the way he used Bebe, like once was obvious. Like, yeah, but also, had four, four but in the second half, they used him too for a few minutes, I believe. Yeah, and, and I think part of that good, was that he yeah. wanted to use Pirtle with the all bench yeah. unit for that familiarity at the top of the fourth. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought one thing too tonight is some of those transitional lineups where, so the Raptors, the Raptors starters have been very good this year. The Raptors bench has been very good this year, and Lowry and DeRozan with their respective bench units have been good. Those transitional lineups have really struggled when one or two bench guys come in or when two or three starters come back in um, later on. I mean, if they, or, or if that they late, hadn't struggled, they'd win every game by 30 points. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or the, But I just mean it's it's As almost specific. Yeah. You, your two 
best and have most heavily used lineups are succeeding fairly consistently. I think the answer is only hockey switches. No, I'm not saying that. I'm trying <laughs> I'm, to point no, out that I'm tonight, um, on Tuesday, the some of those transitional lineups, some of them, not all of them, were a little better. CJ Miles bizarrely had a game high plus 13 in 19 minutes when he shot 2 of 11, which, you know, sometimes plus minus is just going to say some random shit. Yeah, um, Pascal Siakam was a minus 7. And was uh, probably their second or third best player. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes that stuff happens. Look, it's uh, yeah, plus-minus is a five-man statistic. Yeah, even the, if the it goes transitional. In one yeah, so my point to that is that the transitional lineups did uh, a little bit better, which is encouraging because that's kind of where you know they know at this point who they're going to start at the first and the third quarter. They know who is going to play at the top of the second and the top of the fourth. And it's those in-between lineups that, and, and they have. A, they're starting to get a pretty good sample on their closing lineups, whether it's Van Vliet with the starters, right with the starters. Even Miles with the starters, we've gotten a look at it, and it's gone. They, they used that in the Clippers game, and it went exactly how you think. They started scoring a ton and couldn't stop anyone. Um, but, yeah, it's those transitional lineups as they bring one, two guys in. Like, the um, the abaca Pirtle minutes haven't been great. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of Siakam Valanciunas. So, as weird as it sounds, it might make sense to just stick to the front court in and out together, yeah. um, or if you're going to stagger them, go Siakam Ibaka. Yeah, which we'll um, see. I'm, I'm sure we'll see in yeah. the playoffs. Anyway, for mobility um, encouraging purposes. sign that those transitional lineups were a little bit better here. Uh, that's probably an area they'd like to figure out the exact sub-pattern to nail down late first and late but, second. Uh, I mean, sure, they'd like to nail it down, but, you know, yeah, one or two f- games in the playoffs yeah. are going to break that. I'm, so just, I'm just saying, it's, you know... I, it's, I understand yeah. what you're saying, I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying that, Look, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm just, seen... I'm just not willing to wave my hand at everything that's popped up as problematic as something that they can just win around. I still, you know, you still want to improve the weaknesses, even if it's only a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Eric, you're getting fat and sassy. Am I? I don't know. You look great. Thank you. You're getting sassy, though. Um, Are you ha- getting happy on the farm was a better one since, <laughs> since you look so good. Uh, okay, so this Denver game, uh, do you have – I guess we should probably talk about the Boston game that's coming up. The big thing that's coming up is for the first time in a month, the Raptors have some rest. They're going to be off tomorrow. They're going to have two days of practice before they go into Boston, and they have two days of off or practice after that before Cleveland. Um, this is the first time since the All-Star break they've had a window like this. Some of their guys have looked fatigued. There's probably some mental fatigue. Um, Pretty important time to get to get this kind of a break. Yeah, and uh, they just don't have many. I mean, first of all, it comes before. I mean, whatever Three about the Cleveland games, game, yeah. but the Boston games are obviously the two most important games. Yeah, you split those, and yeah, you probably get the first. Yeah, game. and if you lose both, then you're sweating down. Yeah. You're just sweating the rest of the, the way. The three and a half up. So. so that's big, but you know we've seen the defensive slippage and. Uh, you know, there's not much reason to be concerned about the offense. I, I wrote something about the free throw rate sort of dropping, and again, there weren't many tonight. I think they ended up at nine free throws. It was throw very attempts. low, none for Lowry and DeRozan. Um, yeah, which is bizarre, and, and you know, that's an outlier. Although, but Lowry and DeRozan... They also yeah. had eight assists each, uh, yeah. I, I think. And, yeah. and they scored 26 points on, I think, 26 yeah. possessions, which isn't great, but when you have 16 assists on top of that... Yeah, no, they're, it's, and they're making different decisions. Yeah. Like, the, the reason not to... Like, I wrote a thing about it, but the reason why it's not a huge issue is because this offense is built around them making different decisions at those points because in the playoffs sometimes when they go up and draw contact 
you know, if it's called 60% of the time in the regular season, maybe it's called 48% of yeah. the time uh, in the playoffs. So I haven't read your numbers. piece yet, but we kind of had this conversation yeah. the other day yeah. in that, you know, there's two ways to look at it. One is that they're still an elite offense without these free throws. So, yeah. you know, if you think part of the pl- problem in the playoffs in the years past has been the tightening of the whistle, well, they're better suited to withstand that now because they rely on free throws less. The counter to that being that threes are higher variance than free throws. So if threes are a larger part of your offense at the expense of too many yeah. free throws, then your entire approach is a little higher variance. Yeah, which, and I, and you know, I, I just, we don't do well with probabilities and, yeah. and variance. I just wonder what the balance is. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Lowry's up to before this game like almost sixty-three percent of his field goal attempts are three-pointers, yeah. Yeah, which is he's amazing. Still like, driving like, way less. Like that's almost three-point specialist percentages. Yeah. It's almost like senior uh, miles is what seventy-five percent, seventy-six, yeah, yeah seventy-seven. Um, uh, that's that's amazing because like. He is an all-star, and he's like a superstar guard. He's just not the same. The best is that they still find ways yeah. to get him unique three-point opportunities. Like, tonight yeah. there was one where he curled along the baseline, and DeMar was facing up, uh, and it picked up his dribble, and Kyle went over over top of it for the handoff. And, like, it was very, like, DeRozan had picked up his dribble. So you know that he can't go anywhere, that that's not a fake handoff. And they, they went under on Lowry. As, and I know going over that would be hard, but, like, why DeRozan's man didn't switch? Even if you have to give DeRozan the open three. Anyway, it was a simple little baseline handoff, yeah. and Lowry got a wide-open three off of it. Yeah, he's shooting the shit out of the ball. He is, yeah. Um, so, anyway, back to... That's good. To, it's back, nice to see Lowry this fresh late yeah, in the year. Back to the point, like, you wonder... I just know we're heading to a conversation at some point when the Raptors shoot... Eight for thirty-four in a game from three, and they only go to the line ten or twelve times. And we're saying, why aren't they driving? Because you know, playoff conversations no. have to get reductive. Like no, that. you know what we're gonna have the conversation we're gonna have. Why is the NBA bias against the Raptors limiting their free throw attempts? I mean, that'll be once they get down one nothing. Yes. But when they get down two nothing, yes. it's gonna become the Raptors' fault. Yes. Um, Shocking! You get fouled on three point shots far less than you get fouled on shots at the rim. Judas is closing up. Yes. Or search Ibaka. Ibaka has been. <laughs> A little frisky with the fouls on the perimeter. But. Anyway, um, as a whole, they're still eighth in free throws per field the goal attempt. attempt. Yeah. Uh, and they're, th- what are they? They shoot the second most threes per possession, fourth, third, somewhere in there. So that's a pretty damn good balance. Yeah. It's not Houston it's who leads be, the league in both. Yeah, it's very good to be freak, the top ten in both of those because yeah. it means not only do you have kind of a varied approach where you can score in a number of different ways, it's also, you know, people have probably been beaten over the head with the analytics or shot spectrum or whatever a little much, but those, you know, the free throw line is the most efficient spot on the floor, but it's also the toughest to get to. And the three-point line is the next most yeah. efficient spot on the floor. So if you can be in the top ten in those things, it's probably a good thing for your offense. Yeah. And the Raptors have actually come up to where they're now like a league average three-point percentage team. And some of that is Lowry getting ridiculously hot, but some of that is Fred Van Vliet finally after a year and a half regressing to, hey, try to tell you guys this guy was yeah. going to be like a 38, 39, 40% three-point shooter. Um, Siakam's back above 20%. Um, DeLon Wright has maybe settled in as a league average three-point yeah. shooter on like – a 200 plus field goal sample um so yeah uh, and if and a buck ever starts hitting his threes he won't um but the thing also about free throws is there's an opportunity is there's inherent risk to that because you're driving into the paint so you can be stripped you can miss a contested shot and in both cases the team's going the other way and you're trying to play transition defense 
uh, and so while it's the most efficient spot on the floor, it's only the efficient, most efficient spot on the floor if you get there. Uh, if you don't, there are a lot of bad things that can happen uh, that are more likely to happen, I should say, than other things. So I'm not saying issue reba- uh, free throws. Actually, it's something I'm a bit worried about, but uh, like, you know, on, on a minor level. But on the whole, I think the Raptors have actually done a nice job of, uh, of balancing things out. I uh, I would tend to agree with you. Uh, I don't think you'll see very many nights in the playoffs where DeRozan gets no free throw attempts. Probably not. I don't think that'll be the... Yeah. Yeah. Somebody will get fined after a loss and then he'll shoot I still can't believe DeRozan didn't get fined for his OKC comments for the Corey Brewer. Yeah. Smacked the shit out of me. It was a foul. Period. It was not a foul. It was a foul. Period. It was not a foul according to the NBA. Mm. Yeah, I've had a few people get mad at me for bringing it up because... I don't know. I thought it was a foul. I get that they said... The hand is part of the ball. ball, The replays that we... The publicly available replays were not super conclusive as to whether there was forearm-on-forearm contact. I I still wonder how much of everyone and DeRozan thinking it was a foul is that Brewer was beat, and it looked like a desperation swipe at the ball. So it looked very much like every shit unbeat, nothing easy foul. But right. if, well, you gotta, it, if you got if you got a clean, execute, yeah, yeah. Um, like you watch it back and it very you. St- I watched it a couple times trying to judge for myself if it was a foul, and it's like man, I, I got tricked every time thinking Brewer was beat. Yeah. So like I think maybe it was just you know for DeRozan, I'm sure he thought he got fouled, but I wonder how much psychologically is like oh I beat the guy, have this look at the rim, and then he yeah. makes that desperation swipe and it comes away we probably don't need to be you know what I can guarantee what? if they had called a foul they would have called it a correct call yes on the uh, 100% on the, the last two minutes report yes ban the last two minutes report it's done or make and it a 48 minute report oh uh, okay. don't make me read through a 48 minute <laughs> report every game because uh, you know the people would bother me enough that I'd eventually sit down and read them all and total up the number of points for the season. Well, I think and, you need to sleep less. You're not doing it enough. Yeah. You're doing it too much, rather. All right. We're half an hour in. We should wrap this up. Boston. Boston. Thoughts? They're going to play them. They should uh, beat them at least once. Yeah. Uh, I actually think they... I weirdly think they have a better shot to beat them in Boston than on the second night of a back-to-back. But I think the Celtics are on a back-to-back in that game, That would change things, yeah. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think I checked that. could just see an energy hangover, and, like, they won't be able to rest guys in Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, they might not need to coming off of that big one game in six days, but... Yeah. Uh, I you know I like how this team matches up against Boston. So do uh, I. Especially the, if Kyrie Irving is there, yeah. which I hope he's not because I hope everyone is healthy. But well, I don't. I think, don't think he'll be back I that quickly so after minorly invasive knee yeah. surgery. Mystery that surgery. Means. What was that tension wire in his knee? <laughs> I have a tension wire in my brain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're big games. It'll be fun. I sort of, you know, you wish it wasn't on a Saturday night because that's not a night the Ra- Raptors fans are used to getting up for. But it could. look, man, why wouldn't my one chance at having a weekend to myself not be filled with a 905 playoff game, a Raptors game, and potentially another 905 See, playoff game? You're making this about yourself. You are. A great it is all about writer. me. Yeah. It uh, is all about me. They'll be fun games. I, it, no, I, I say this because everyone gets on me for not resting enough, and I had like. I looked at this stretch of play and like, okay, cool, fine, I'll do it. Shut up, you guys could leave me alone the rest of the playoffs. And now it's not happening. Mm. So. Uh, yeah, unless I think the 905 that, get bounced, which I don't think is going to happen. 
I think Fisher got one out of two of those Boston yeah. games. Uh, we'll probably talk to you before. Nah, who knows when we'll talk to you next? Yeah, I would assume maybe Monday. Maybe not. But the yeah, only, only one game will have happened. I mean, yeah, it might make sense to wait and do this post game Wednesday yeah. after the Celtics game. I might be grumpy then after traveling. Yeah, well. Maybe. You're so cheerful today, Berkey. I am fucking yeah. delightful. Whoa, F word on the <laughs> yeah, podcast. I was I, unbelievable. I just, you know, it's so rare when I'm in a buoyant yeah, state. Yeah, you of, had your good cuddle session with Walter. Yeah, on top of the world. He's such a good boy. Um, Any wrestling thoughts? Nope. All right. Uh, yes, actually, but none that I'm going to. Also, to the guy who tried to at Daniel Bryan and mad at him that he made me such a wrestling fan on Twitter. Um, you added the wrong Daniel Bryan. And I didn't want to correct you on Twitter but you sent a message to the wrong guy. Um, but the, some Riverdale aggregating account uh, retweeted your tweet. So good, good <laughs> looking out on that. Um, I have no Riverdale thoughts. It's ridiculous. I'm trying to remember oh, yeah, what happened. Uh, it yeah. was uh, it's not a great show. No. Um I don't know if I'll make a third season. You'll watch it. I'll watch it. Yeah. But uh, I might not watch it, like, week by week. I might, <laughs> it might just be, like, an off-season. No, bit. you'll watch it. You know what's a really uh, good show that we haven't talked about, and I know I don't think you've watched it yet, but iZombie? See, this is, it's right up my alley. I've yeah. watched, I watched the first few episodes on yeah. an airplane at one point, but uh, I just... Ha- it's, like, I, it's running a little yeah. long in the tooth now, but, like, yeah. it's so... Like Veronica Mars. Well, it's the Veronica Mars creators. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also one of the characters, like one of the actors from Veronica Mars. I mean, they've carried over all the like, like outrageously punny names for every character, yeah. um, and then people obviously pop back up. But the main, one of the main guys now in these last two seasons is someone from Veronica Mars, and like, they're not the same character, but the way he plays it, like, it could almost just be a grown-up version of the character yeah I think that uh, that'll be a watch for me at some point yeah. uh, it is on Netflix I believe I think so, um, so yeah. it's quite good it's quite yeah. enjoyable yeah no I've, I've I've enjoyed all the episodes I've seen it did strike me as like Veronica Mars minus some of the pathos yeah like it's not gonna uh, yeah, be Veronica yeah. Mars but um, but who cares? That's yeah. uh, you know I will watch that show yeah or I would watch that show I can't believe that I will it's fun uh, Any other TV show, TV thoughts? Mm, no Brooklyn Nine Nine thoughts from this. The week. Americans is back tomorrow night. I don't watch that show. Was it Dello that wanted us to talk about the Americans yeah. on this podcast? Yeah. Um, season five. I mean, I love the Americans, despite season five being the worst season of its of its run. Arguably, with season one, they were bad. Not bad. They were not up to the level of the other three seasons in different ways. Uh, it's a really good show. Uh, and I look forward to its return. Um, anyway, I'm afraid to say too much more without spoilers, but I'm curious to see how this show ends for... Is this the last season? Yeah, for the protagonist slash antagonist slash focus of the show. Cool. Um, Russia. They're weird... People are weird. Anyway, we should uh, we should end this. Yes. Goodbye. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> we will talk to you guys. Uh, maybe not early next week. We might save it until unless there's a lot of drama from the Boston game. Yeah. You know how I love drama. There probably won't be that much to talk about. You don't about want no drama. Drama. No. You don't want none. Uh, okay. 
So we might talk to you guys a little later next week, but we'll have three very big games to talk about. And then the podcast after that might be the playoff podcast. Yeah. Or we'll double up that week and we'll close the season out. We'll see. We'll do a post-WrestleMania podcast. Well, the problem is I was complaining this to my friend who I was out with on Saturday because he's a big wrestling fan at all as well. But he was like, just call in sick. Skip work. And I was like, no, Blake's doing that. Yeah. <laughs> DNP rest. Old media. media. Yeah. Uh, um, I am... Yeah, my Iron Man streak since the last WrestleMania snapped. Yeah. Uh, this will be the first game... I'm not happy about it. I want to watch it. This will be the first it. game that I don't watch... That'll be the first game that I don't watch live this year, except there was one Washington game where I watched the first quarter in the locker room at basketball... And then got home in time for the fourth quarter and then had to go back and watch a second and third later. Was Otherwise, that the game that they almost won with Lowry at the free throw line at the end? Or they almost yes, tied? Yes, it was the yeah, clutch yeah, free throw yeah, game. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, I think, yeah, otherwise I think the, the Magic game will be the first one I don't watch live this year. Well, it's a good one to miss. Fanapalooza! Yeah. I, I can't imagine a game that means less than game 80 of the regular season against the Orlando Magic. And it's the third meeting against the Magic in a month. Game 81 against the Detroit Pistons might be close. Uh, well, that game might matter if Detroit is still mathematically in the playoffs because I would recommend the Raptors start me and you and Josh Lundberg and whoever else is around for that game because if you could get Detroit into the playoffs, that would be lovely and they're not mathematically eliminated yet and I'm still holding on to this I think they shred of hope. Yeah. I think they're going to be knocked out. I don't um, think they're long for this world. Yeah, Milwaukee was losing when we started recording this podcast, which yeah. dropped them, drop them back to eighth. Uh, them and Miami keep bouncing back and forth. If you want to hear me complain about beat writer problems, you watch Milwaukee pass Miami on the last day. Well, look, I feel like we've settled into a nice trade-off here where you complain about beat writer problems, and every time we record and it's not in person, the listeners get to complain about audio quality problems. Yeah. It's a nice trade-off. Yeah. It's, complaint for complaint. Yeah. Something you can do nothing about for something we can maybe do a little bit more about, but really when you're recording on Skype or Zencaster. Yeah. yeah, sorry this free content isn't better. Yeah, and also there's just been so much noise smashing around in the background yeah. of this one. Yeah. Uh, apologies, it'll probably be just as bad next week. <laughs> Love you guys. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Before late to be, a reasonable man.